Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the latest episode of the Endless Celts podcast. It's a special spin-off edition tonight. We're talking all things FIFA World Cup. Uh, we're parking all the Celtic chat for another night and uh, focusing on all the top international stuff that's coming uh, from Qatar this year. Not just that, we'll maybe delve a little bit into the memory bank, a wee trip down memory lane and talk about some of the great moments for years gone by at other tournaments. And, of course, we'll maybe to have a, a little bit of tribute to the Scotland team from France 98 as well, and hopefully talk about our qualification <coughs> in a year's time, uh, amongst other things, of course. And for all of that, I'm delighted to be joined by two of the regulars. First of all, the captain of the ship, uh, Stephen, is joining us. How are you tonight, mate? I'm all good, mate. I'm sitting with a wee lamb sip. I'm all dosed up in a cold. Like, but I'm, I'm looking forward to a wee chat about the World Cup. It's something different, something new. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. But uh, well, hopefully, I uh, hope you're feeling a wee bit better after this. And I hear that uh, Ross is seemingly uh, likewise under the weather as well, mate. How are you feeling? Ah, uh, I'm the same as Stephen. Uh, I, I I think we could be accused of having a wee secret affair if he didn't stay in Belfast. <laughs> but uh, aye, I'm, I'm obviously you can hear my voice. I'm totally choked up. But uh, here I'm Martin. Here I'm Martin. What's that? You trying to say they're going to have cheap flights over, big man? We all know the game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it was happening, you'd be coming to me. I don't go chasing. <laughs> Listen, what you used to do on your own time, not for me. That's maybe quite a, quite a, uh, you know, quite a decent topic to start off on, considering we're talking about all the controversy of Qatar 22. <laughs> but say no more. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we get started tonight, uh, just a wee kind of shout out to our sponsors, Beer 52. The um, sponsorship, if you go along there, you can still get a free case of beer, provided you cover the postage. And uh, I think we've donated some to uh, our Christmas hamper in the community during the week there. So, whoever won it, enjoy it and, uh, and get stuck in, folks. Uh, and thanks, welcome along to everybody in the chat as well. <coughs> Yeah, um, and welcome along everybody else in the show tonight as well. Uh, obviously, there is a game on at the minute, so the fact that um, you are sitting in talking along with us guys rather than uh, watching the action, it's uh, credit to us. So thanks very much. <coughs> and uh, so we're going to just get stuck right into it, boys. And um, the first, obviously, we're going to address the elephant in the room before we talk about the actual football action. And that's Aye. about... I thought you were talking about me there. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the elephant in the room, obviously, being the Qatar 2022 controversy. Now, it was, whether we like it or not, it was awarded 12 years ago, uh, Ross, in a room. I think it was, it was one of the first times where the tournament, the two tournaments had been decided in the one go. Russia was awarded the 2018 tournament, and then, latterly, a few moments later, they brought out the envelope for 2022, and it was Qatar, much to the astonishment of even most people who had already predicted that it was going to be Russia that were getting 2018, and obviously all the controversy that's came with that, but what's your own thoughts on it? Was it a case of, you could tell from the start, it wasn't a decision that's been done without the passing of a few brown envelopes, but that is what it is. Aye, well, it's... It's that, isn't it? It's, it's mm -hmm. cash, it's money talks, Russia and then Qatar. That's what it was. But it's 12 years ago and the, the tournament's here now. I'm all about the football. 
I'm there. I'm here for the football. I've got it on mm-hmm. in the background the night watching it because it's a World Cup. I've watched the World Cups. I've never missed the World Cup anytime it's been on throughout my whole life. I'm not going to change that now. It's just what it is. But you, you see guys, well, all respect for Roy Keane, but you see guys like him and all the other, Gary Lineker, Ian Wright, and they're all taking this moral high ground. Uh, the World Cup shouldn't be there. Okay. Maybe it shouldn't. I'm no qualified enough to say whether it should or it shouldn't, but it is there. But these guys are having their opinion on it like it shouldn't be there. Yet they're taking their big sums of money and getting getting well paid and it's like it's virtue signaling signalling rather than like really protesting. If you if you really were so against it, He's a, all these guys have had 12 years. All these, can I'm nothing against gay people or that, but the one love armband, they're what to wear it and all that, fair enough. But, like, if, if they feel so, this is how that country is. It's like, if they come over to us and started telling us how to live our lives, and I know people will say they're, they're behind the times, fair enough, but in their eyes, they might not be. It's their country. You, we, it was given to them. We are going to their country. We have to abide by their rules and live the way they want to live. But again, I go back to it. Don't preach on a television screen about morals and all the rest of it when you're picking up big packets off the back of where the tournament is and what the tournament is. I, I, I think that's a fair point, Ross. I mean, you know. Guys like us, I mean, I think we're all we're all football fanatics. That goes without saying. <coughs> we, of course, you know, we've all always said that it was not the right place to have the World Cup because you knew of, of, of a lot of these things. But by the same token, you, you look at the you know historical um, sort of countries that are hosted at Stephen. Um, you know, whether people like this or not, and maybe people don't realise this, but in terms of um, homosexuality, it was actually only completely um, decriminalised 100% in Britain in the year 2013, which is three years after Qatar were actually awarded the tournament. So we, we try and kind of preach that we're so far so far advanced and you know we're way ahead of these nations, but I think, um, I think the British press give themselves a bit too much credit. I mean, to, to be fair, it's it's part of <clears throat> part of a wider discussion. You can obviously narrow it down to the LGBTQ community getting their rights and stuff, which 100% I'm on board with. I don't like any discrimination in any walks of life, football, religion, whatever it may be. Everyone's entitled to be their own person and live with comfortable <coughs> in themselves without being persecuted or punished for a certain religion or aspect of their life. And you look at the whole uh, Qatar thing, like people died building them stadiums. There's families without fathers. There's families without brothers families about sons so you have to take all that into consideration and I know what you're saying about these pundits I mean I love the whole um, Roy King and Graham Souness kind of spat that they had on ITV and Graham Souness kind of said look we all know what's happened here but England can't take the moral high ground look what they've done to Roy's country and I didn't really expect that to come from Graham Souness and it kind of took me by surprise because it's true the English people and English media kind of paint this narrative that they're all they're all God slave and they're all they do, do nothing wrong, they commit no crimes and I mean there's atrocities that we could sit and talk about for years and years about what they've committed but in terms of Qatar, money talks and whoever it was, Sepp Blatter or Infantino, who's, who's accepting these bribes, it's it's going to happen 
in some way, some shape or form. I mean, the Asian countries want to be publicising football, and that's well within the right to be that, whether it's Saudi Arabia, Qatar, um, Ghana, whatever. But um, yeah, the whole Qatar thing, it doesn't sit well with me. The, the timing of the tournament doesn't sit well with me. The feeling around it, yeah, we're going to get into some of the great clubs here in it and some of the great players, but I can't shake the feeling they get when they look at the stadiums. I think it's all fake. I think it's all put on for cameras. I think, especially making up attendances, trying to make the it seem better than it is. That just that's a whole lot of propaganda being shoved up down someone's throat. And you you look at the as you said the situation with the the commentators Ross and Gary Neville again the, the guy who loves to kind of the, the preach about the English politics and what he would change and all that type of stuff. But yet he's over. In Qatar, picking up a huge pay packet, not really thinking anything of it. I know people say it's their prerogative to do so, but if they felt so strongly about these situations, you don't go. You, you stand your ground, you don't go, you make a stand, you make a protest because while you're like enough, protest is the only way stuff, stuff's ever going to be done. Do you know what I mean? People are going to stand up and listen if the likes of Roy Keane aren't going to the World Cup to, to represent the, the UK or an Ian Wright or a Gary Neville or Alex Scott or whoever it may be. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, one of these things is a taboo thing that people don't like to talk about and express because I think it brings heat onto themselves. I just I don't agree with the Qatar World Cup, and as I said, <clears throat> the time of it is horrendous for me. The feeling around the people dying to build these stadiums in time for people just to play football—that's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And the camps these people lived in again—that's disgusting. And that's never ever going to be investigated. They're going to get that away with that because they've got the money, they've got the whatever, they've got the wealth. It should never be like that. Football. It should, should be a working man, working man's game, but it's not no more. The elites run football, and we're going to have to get used to it. That's the thing, Ross. It's sort of it is the beautiful game. There's no denying no denying that. But unfortunately, the people that run it, whether that be UEFA, FIFA, the people at the very top, like you said at the very, very beginning, it's all bribes and backhands, and you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And um, yeah, it's. I think it's needless to say, it's not a tournament. Um, you know that might get looked back funnel like the likes of France 98 or an Italia 90 or, or something like that but it is what it is as they say on Love Island and uh, <laughs> the tournament is here uh, it's upon us we're you know through f- first week into the tournament nearly into the well, tonight's the last round of the, the group the second phase of group matches Stephen and um, what's been your thoughts generally on the football side of things have you has there been matches you've enjoyed has there been any moments that's really stood out? Any players um, or a favourite game or anything like that? Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the schedule of it's hard. Obviously, a bit of work from half eight to half five, or maybe you're going to miss the majority of the, the afternoon game, <laughs> games. But on the other occasion, I do catch them. I mean, you look at the usual suspects, England being talked about after the beat around 6 2, that they're going to be world beaters again. And then USA kind of humble them and actually should have beat them in that game. You look at Netherlands with, with Van Dyke, people like that. They have a chance. I mean, when you're talking about particular games, the one that draws to me is the France and Australia game. I missed the two games today, which are probably the best of the tournament. The, the free free each game and the free two game. The Ghana was involved in They've been involved in some cracking games so far in the World Cup. But, I mean, France you know, totally dom- dominated Australia. I mean, if you're bringing the likes of Kingsley Coleman off the bench, you're littered with talent. And, I mean, Oliver Giroud starting up front. You're missing Benzema. You've got Dembele on the right. You've got Tourini in the middle. These guys are absolute ballers. And, they dismantled them. And the biggest upset, obviously, was the Argentina game. I don't know if any of you saw the 
the the what was it the halftime team talk that the Saudi Arabia manager gave us uh-huh. players. It was absolutely incredible. Like you could take photos with them after the match and all this stuff gets stuck in just being, being about him. And they went and won the game 2 1. And let, let's be fair, like this is what Postacogli means. Like we underestimate these these nations and these players because we haven't heard of them before. It's it's merely ignorance from our part. But you look at some of them Saudi Arabia player thing was Al Azif, the, the captain, the number 10. <clears throat> he, he fantastic. He was quick, he was dynamic, he took the ball in, he was skinning Argentina players for fun. The the second goal, I think, was a cracker. And it, the, the does Again, the main Argentina look ordinary. Do, do you know what I mean? It's one of these things that in World Cups you're going to get you're going to get upsets, which is quite obvious. But we need to take heed of these nations, I think, and actually look at these markets, like Postecoglou says. And if you get a gem from these nations, you're going to be happy, aren't you? I mean, you look at Canada. Canada have had a good World Cup. A lot of got duffed the the, pre, the the last game there four one. I think it finished four one. But mm-hmm. the way they played with no fear. That's how we played the Champions League. They've got some good players like Buchanan, who plays for Club Brews. He was on the right, above our new right-back, Alistair Johnson, who looked pretty solid. Do you know what I mean? So there, there, there's players in that tournament that I'm really interested in. Teams are like Watson. And as I said, I don't agree with the tournament, but you can't help but just the world-class players on the show. You, you, have to, you have to appreciate it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And But Bobby, yourself, Ross, as I say, we're, we're a week into the tournament now. We're ball deep into the group stages, you could say. Um any standout moments for yourself or any any players or have you enjoyed the upsets uh, and things like that? Um, well, I I mean, just touching on what Stephen had said there, going to the Japan, Germany, that was an upset. And mm-hmm. obviously he was talking about Postacoglu saying, and we have to take heed of these nations. And I've seen, I'm sure it was Jose Mourinho was getting interviewed the other day and he was asked about that game. And he was like, well, he's all seemed sort of surprised now, he says, but... These these nations are up and coming and they're doing well and they, they are there's good players like Japan. I've got can you name them? But they've got guys playing in the Bundesliga and stuff like that. So it it's it's it is a shock in the sense if you look at the two nations in their like history of the World Cup. But at the same time, Japan have got really good players. Look at the guys we've got and they can't even get into that team. But then they go out and of course they lose to Costa Rica. Sod's law. Um, but I mean, for me, I think that. But my, I, I bet Brazil at the start of the tournament, and I've took uh, Ronaldo to be top goal scorer as a double. Ronaldo's just scored there, which is good. Uh, it's one 0 to Portugal. But um, I watched bits and pieces of Brazil the night. Fits and starts it was the same against uh, Serbia, but I think their depth <coughs> going into the the latter stages of the competition, I think, might tell. I think uh, France, I think they look a really good side. I think so far Mbappe has been, he he looks really up for it. Uh, Star of the tournament so far, I would have to say. Um, You've got Spain, who obviously they dismantled Costa Rica, played really well in spells against Germany. I don't think there's a better team, certainly international-wise, there's no better team that plays through the press better than Spain do. Uh, I'm I'm surprised, actually, how good they've been. I say surprised. On the ball, I know they're renowned for that down the the last maybe 10 to 15 years. And they're starting to get... They had, like, Xavi and Iniesta. Now they're getting guys like Gavi and... forget the other guy's name, but... Aye, aye, Pedri. Top quality players. I don't know, it might be 
slightly uh, maybe a tournament too soon for Spain but I think they'll, they'll go into the latter stages uh, but going off of what I've seen so far I bet Brazil at the start of the tournament if I was betting now I would probably bet France um, but can, it's really can interesting. I say something there as well <laughs> like Brazil for me they've been very ordinary and I thought they played better when Neymar were offensive they, I really did Aye. I thought they actually came into Aye. the game and the wee lad <coughs> Rodrigo <coughs> created loads of chances on the left hand side <coughs> I know um, Casemiro scored a crack and goal didn't he for them to, to win 1-0 I just I don't think they have enough about them to, to win the World Cup I think France and Spain possibly even maybe Croatia by the way who are dark horse all the time in these tournaments that have some world class operators and then Ryan Kelly comes in. Stephen had just finished Friday's night show earlier on today. Was it definitely one of the, <coughs> the Canada centre-backs? And yes, it was Kamel Miller. And don't come back to <coughs> that because I know he had an absolute shocker against that uh, Croatia. But in the first game of watching him, he, he was really good and he was uh, really solid. But yeah, I think France, they're the team for me. I think they look the All most right. impressive in terms of going forward and a defensive Absolutely. unit. And to be honest, hard to break down. It was interesting that in the Germany game, starting the up front, and, and as, as a lone striker, he kind of done Aye. the press. He done the he done the hard work. <coughs> and then Asano, the Japan player, come on and what a goal! By the way, that's that goal. What an Probably absolute goal. screamer over the Probably top, goal. took it down, bang, roofing that unbelievable goal. It's an interesting. Aye, just what you were talking about, Maeda. It's really interesting and and weird, like that. He's obviously got in the Japan squad, and the first game he starts up front through the middle. There's absolutely no way that you're playing him through the middle before Kyogo for Celtic. No, it's really interesting. I don't know what the manager sees. I don't know if there's maybe better players out out wide. I don't know, but uh, it's interesting in terms of what's the call? <laughs> in terms of um, sort of standout goals so far. I, I think you would you have to look no further than probably Rich Arlison's goal against Serbia. Oh. That was a beauty. Um, I've seen a couple of folks saying he's the new R9 off the bracket but I mean <laughs> tongue in cheek stuff but um, Stevens, I don't know if you've seen any of the games today Anthony but uh, the Cameroon game was that the one that finished three each? I think it was yeah. I've seen the chip I've seen the goal Aye. Oh, that's what I was just going to touch on their second goal I, I don't know if the guy would finish it like that had he thought he was onside he, he thought he was offside and he thought he was onside, I, I don't think he would have finished the ball at it. He maybe would have lashed at it or whatever. But he's 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 just like scooped it with his foot, and it was a it must have been about ten yards over the like the height of the bar. But then it comes down and bounces, and then just goes just bounces in just underneath the bar. It was an absolutely tremendous finish. It's one of the ones you just fart about with your mates up the park and used to do it. Used to skip it up try and run around them, but this guy scooped it up right into the net, it was a beauty, and it was a great game, uh, and the game after that, the uh, Korea game, that was another brilliant game, total ding-dong battles, I think Serbia lost a two-goal lead, and then so did um, Ghana, I mean, I, I wasn't watching them, I, I was actually painting somebody's hall, and I had the guy's telly on in the living room, so I was... <laughs> Put the heater in the corner every so often, but uh, I, it was they seemed like really good games. And what I seen of them, they, they were evenly matched teams. So probably the two games today, <coughs> in terms of end to end ding dong battles, they've been the two best. Whether they've, uh, probably 
you maybe I was going to say maybe you have to say that the best quality you've seen was last night's game again uh, with Spain and Germany. But then, as good as Spain are on the ball, there was a lot of like slack passing in that in the middle of the park and breaking the play up, and defenders were getting the better of them. But it changed when Marata came on. I think you have to you have to touch on him as well. I think he's came on in the two games for Spain. They've decided to go with a false nine. You can't say it didn't work against Costa Rica, but it's a lesser team. Don't think it really worked against Germany. Their manager, Luis Enrique, recognised that, and right away he made a big difference. Just playing on the shoulder, running in behind, and he got his goal, and it was a tremendous goal, actually. Gets in front of the defender and gets just a flick on it, but it wasn't like an aimless flick. He gets a foot on it, but he knows exactly what he's doing with it, and he puts it into the roof of the mm-hmm. net. A really good goal and I think for me if Spain want to be successful in this tournament I think they have to start with him up top he's he's not the, the best number 9 in the world but he's a number 9 and if, if you've not got a number 9 in your team you're going to struggle to win a game in my opinion unless you're like good Man City or something <laughs> I, I think Gavi is exceptional uh, he was shite last night because I bet him to score in the game but he, he's a magnificent player if oh, you actually is. think about it like <laughs> You look at the back when they won the World Cup, NES, then Chadley. <coughs> now you've got Gavi and Pedri sitting like as the centre mids and Busquets still there. I think that's that's quite a symbol, to be honest. And they're two young kids, like 17, 18, or whatever age they are, and they're, they're on their, like, their 10th or 9th, like 12th, 15th cap for Spain. And I think that's a major difference between them guys. And <coughs> it always it always comes back to me for the argument. I remember hearing a quote um, that I think it was Pep Guardiola said. For every Jack Wilshire, when he, when, he, when he was young and good, there's 10 or 12 of them coming through academies in Spain every day. <laughs> and they, English media rate these players up to the highest, like they're going to be the next big thing, where Spain have conveyor, conveyor belts of talent coming through year on year. I mean, let's be honest, we never hear, heard much hype about Gavi and Pedri up until last year, but they've um, been bubbling under the surface at Barcelona for years and years and years, and they've kept them quiet, kept them quiet. Now they've burst onto the scene. And see if that's our midfield for the next 10, 15 years. That's absolutely incredible. By the way, what I would say is, uh, I can't believe that Phil Foden, I totally agree with Gary Neville, I cannot believe Phil Foden will <coughs> go in the park on Friday night. He is he is the level of uh, Agave. He, he's that good. He, he plays that way. He's every bit as good as him. Do you not agree with that, Stephen? I think no he's chance. absolutely world class and no, he's, he, he's a mainstay in a Pep Guardiola Man City team he's world class I, I don't think but, he but, can be argued but Pedro and Gabby for me aye, but he, he's, been, he's been moulded by David Silva you're not going to tell me he's David Silva wasn't at the level of what Gavi or Pedri's could be or is going to be I, I think Phil but, Foden but, is right up there with him you have to understand, Pedro and Gavi, Pedri and Gavi are 17 to 18. Like, there's a big difference here. They're going well, to be far well better. Foden, from, about 21 or something. So 22, 23. Now he's, he's getting, well, not getting on, but he's still in that development Maybe stage. But what I'm saying is, Pedri and Gavi, they'll be streets ahead of him by the time he's 20 or 29. I think that's just mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Interesting, interesting conversation there, boys. But, um, <laughs> well, what, Anthony, what do you think? Anthony, <laughs> what do you think? Not the Pedri and Gavi situation, but you asked us about the World Cup. How do you feel about it? Aye. Well, I, I, listen, for some of the reasons previously outlined, we've obviously got your reservations about where it is, etc. But if you're looking at it from purely a footballing point of view, 
I think it's been okay, and I, I, it is quite frustrating when some of the games are on when you're when you're at work, and you know it's not when maybe when it's in Europe, and you know you've still got two or three games to look forward to when you come home. But from what I've seen of it, I think it's going okay. I think obviously after the opening game, everyone thought it was going to be a complete damp squib, and we were going to be playing these matches in front of like you know proper, like you know empty stadiums, and um, there's. But, but and it's, that's clearly not been the case. I know we've got the old uh, the old accountant at Rangers doing the attendance uh, figures, but you know, it's I think all in all, it's been a pretty decent spectacle, and we've had some great moments so far. And I hope that continues, um, obviously, as, as the tournament goes on. And um, in terms of the, the the chat about you know England, I totally agree, Ross. I think one of the issues that England are always going to suffer from, especially under Southgate. Is that Southgate sets out to not lose first? That's that's his mm-hmm. that's his primary goal. He's like a, a pound shot Mourinho in that case. You know, Jose Mourinho is one of the greatest managers of all time, but his outlay from the start is must not lose. So you're more thrill players or flair players, if, if you want to call it that. Um, your Trent Alexander Arnolds, your Phil Foden's, your, your Mavericks like Jack Wilshire. Uh, you know, um, these guys are always. Going to be on oh, Jack Wilshire, Jack Grealish. Sorry, I'm talking about here. Um, your Jack Grealish is in this world, they're always going to be sort of still ranked below the likes of Rashford and you know, that perhaps a Kyle Walker type player who's, who's kind of perhaps done it in previous tournaments. I think going forward, I think England, they're, they're, they've definitely got a great group of players but I do think Foden is an outstanding talent I don't think even with my red tinted specs on I don't think you can you can get away from that but um, obviously I hope Wales do them tomorrow so you know I can't you can't even pretend to be neutral on it you know oh no, no. Yeah, but, but uh, moving on sticking with you know World Cups are all about the top the top dogs the big players and um, this is sadly going to be potentially a tournament where we're going to be saying goodbye to some of the true icons of the game. Um, for many, two of the greatest to ever kick a football, Ross, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll get on to maybe one or two others um, in a moment. But first, I just wanted, what would you give your thoughts on what you think of these two guys as as footballers? And, um, you know, if you think we'll, it'll be too long before you see the likes of someone else coming through, or do you think these guys have cemented their legacy? as, you know, untouchable for quite some time to come now? Uh, I, I mean, the the debate will rage on for years, who's the best, Messi or Ronaldo? We've all got our preferences. I can't... I, I, I lean towards Ronaldo just purely because I feel that even when you put him up against guys like Maradona and stuff like that, I feel like I'm not saying Ronaldo's better than, him, eh, better than him, but I feel like he's had to work harder to get where he is. The, the other guys have been God-given natural talents, Messi, Maradona. Ronaldo's had to work at it. And by the way, he's still got talent in there, but he's he's had to... And he's, he's, he's an athlete. He's got every attribute. He's tall. He's powerful. He can beat a man. He's the greatest goal scorer, in my opinion, of all time. I, I, I don't even think even with the rate that uh, Haaland's scoring at the minute, I don't think he'll get near the goal, the goal tally that Ronaldo has reached and is still 
like he's still adding to it. He's added to it tonight for his country. But Ronaldo isn't even the best player named Ronaldo. <laughs> right, okay. I, I mean, that's a, it's a debate in itself. We're, we're no saying, I'm not saying he's better than him. But I, for me, they two, Messi, incredible. And he's like, I don't know, for about maybe 2008 to 2012, 13, Lionel Messi was absolutely incredible. Like untouchable at times. They both of them are amazing, and I think you asked me there: Is there going to be anybody that I think could maybe come and reach the sort of levels that they have? For me, I don't. I don't think there will be uh, for a very long time. Similar, to, I don't know. We we can go to uh, R nine, uh, but you you look at Pele and Maradona, and then the gap. For them, to Messi and Ronaldo, I think it could be that sort of gap again before we see that level of player again. And I think, I have to say, R9, I watched his documentary, it was absolutely incredible. And I think if you take out his knee injuries, he he would be in that bracket right at that level. Uh, In terms of over a career span, I think because of the injury, he just fall short of these guys but had it not been for his horrific knee injuries by the way let's let's not pretend they were horrendous and even watching that documentary and seeing that second knee injury again it was heartbreaking he wasn't you could see the pain and the, the anguish it was gutting what a player uh, but I I think just and it's through, through no fault of his own just injury just holds, holds him back in my opinion but other other people will not agree with that, and and that's fine because it's it's a preference, and and that's it. But uh, they two guys have broke record after record, and they're coming to the end now. This will be their last World Cups, and I have to say, I've just seen Ronaldo scoring there, and Messi scored the opener for Argentina. He answered the call when they needed him most because they were really struggling that game they weren't creating anything and he just comes up with a big moment and that's what Lionel Messi does it's what Ronaldo does done it all their career and they're continuing to do it right in the twilight in their final World Cup and I thoroughly enjoyed Messi's goal the touch at his feet and he just bangs it right into the bottom corner it wasn't an absolutely perfectly clean strike but he just he just done enough and it's it's just what the guys are all about. They've, they've built a career on it. And I've, I'm so privileged to be able to say, I've not got a son, but like see yourself there, Anthony, you'll be able to say in years to come, I watched their entire career from start to finish. And I know the wee man's seen the end of it, but we are privileged to have seen the two guys from start to finish. I, I totally agree. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Ross. And Stephen, just your kind of own thoughts on the two two of them yourself. I mean, as Stephen lots of to there from Saturday night, Messi, you know, Argentina were looking, uh, they were in a real sticky situation with 20 minutes to go and Messi just pops up with that little moment of magic. Half a yard of space is all he needs, even at this age. There's just something, and obviously Ronaldo um, become, making history first play to score at five World Cups um, a couple of days before. Even at this stage in their career, these guys are still making history and, you know, creating moments that are going to live for generations to come. 
they're two very special players. Hundred percent. But before we go on to that, I just want to ask Ross something. You said about answering the call. What's that nice piece of artwork I see above your wall? Like oh, that? <laughs> <laughs> I say, and I don't know if you can see it. That's uh, the Ange Postecoglou photo with the League Cup and the, the Premier League trophy. I think you can probably get them in the Celtic shop for God knows, I don't quid. know, sixty quid, eighty <laughs> quid. I got steaming the other week and bought it in a, a auction for two hundred. Not some day, it? <laughs> oh, it was a great day, but I got carried away straight in there. Two hundred quid. Right, you you've got that, pal. Made a yeah, total time myself. <laughs> Wife Dumb. was delighted with me, but it's 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 here now. It's paid for and it's up in the wall. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. Possibly Conley definitely answered our call, didn't he? As Celtic fans, but no. But uh, I get what you're saying. For me, Ross, you're hundred percent correct. It's about preferences, and I can't look past Lionel Messi. I really can't. I think Lionel Messi. I always remember when I was younger, watching Champions League games all the time, and the only games I'd ever kind of be drawn to is obviously Celtic. And if Barcelona are playing, and you, you watch the young Messi run the road with the long hair, just weaving in and out of players like the word their score, magnificent goals. Remember the final against uh, United with a 1 2 0? And he was absolutely incredible. He brought Barcelona to different heights. And yeah, the team was littered with talent. They had Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, Alba coming in later on, and Danny Alves, Puyol. The list goes on, but he was for me, he was everything. And what an incredible player. And, uh, it's a case for me, like they always say, to separate the two players, you need to win a major trophy next like to World Cup or, or Euros, right? But we know uh, Ronaldo's won the Euros. Messi's equal that feat, kind of winning a couple of Del America with um, Argentina, so they're, they're probably both par in that. And then you look at the final Argentina got to, and for me, it's it's a case of, I looked at that Argentina team, and you had the likes of Higuain, Aguero, Dybala, Di Maria, and for some reason, they never really jailed together. They never jailed as a cohesive unit. They had Mascarano in there as well, come towards the end of his career, and he was Sebastian Veron. For some weird reason, was coming on playing when he was like 36. But it was just one of them teams. It was a little bit of talent, but never worked. Much like that England team, when you had Lampard, Gerard, Scholes, and different people fan for positions. And it was a case of being unlucky. It was one miss, one glorious chance from Higuain. He, he missed it and lost that World Cup final to Germany. Uh, 1-0 and it was just heartbreaking for Messi and I think he retired after that for, for a while from international duty and the likes of Ronaldo I can appreciate what a great player he is I know he's done it in the Liga he's done it in Serie A he's done it in the Premier League twice now obviously coming back to United but Messi for me is the, the, a team player he does it for the team and I see that when he was playing um, yesterday I just played the day before sorry <clears throat> before he scored that goal see the level of disrespect them pundits were thrown at him it was incredible like he's not interested. Right? He's not interested. He doesn't want to be there. Lee Dixon. Lee fucking Dixon. He had the laugh. Are you seriously? Terrible man. And he's he, terrible. It's like he was just listening in the earpiece. He just went, "Give me that ball." Bang. Won the game for Argentina. That, that's that's what the guy does. He does what Messi was always incredible at was finding space. And because he's got a wee bit older, yeah, he, he walks and jogs a wee bit more. But he always finds them wee loopholes and then wee bits of areas to be in. Receives the balls after he said one touch out of his feet. A nice caress finish into the, the bottom right corner. No no power, just swerve on it. Like the Hacks of Banovich one, he scored out for us, and swerved around the post kind of, and then went in. But Ronaldo, as I said, five different World Cups, numerous Champions Leagues, all that type of stuff. But interviews appears Morgan all because he's a, he's a showbiz man, like trying to get out of the club. And 
I just, I, I, whether it was right what he done, I just don't agree with it. And I, I know United have their problems. I'm not United's biggest fan, but if you want to sort that out, sort out that house and get a lawyer in and just do it privately. But I, I think Messi, he wins it for me all day. Like, and, and all this shit about he couldn't do it in the cold night. What's this? I, Messi couldn't do it in the cold night and at, at Anfield, couldn't do it at Stoke. Messi, see if Messi came to the Premier League, if you put him in a city team with Pep Guardiola, you wind me up. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, it'd be, it'd be dog food to him. Like it'd be easy for him. People doesn't. People does think about this longevity of Barcelona and the reason he didn't leave. He didn't want to leave because he was happy. Like we loved Larson staying with Celtic all those years. He gave us his prime years, and there's still discussions <laughs> around him whether he was world class or not. He went to United and done it dirty. He went to Barcelona and won the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? He's went to PSD. Yeah, it's an easy move because it's not a big club, but he's still going to win league titles. He's still probably going to get in, get into about the Champions League somewhere else as well. He's probably going to spend another year before he goes off to America with um, Inter Miami, I believe, which is an interesting one. But it just it has to be messy. I think the disrespect he gets sometimes is incredible. And I know, as you said, that Ronaldo wasn't blessed with the skill, wasn't blessed with that he had to work hard for it. It's professional football, mate. You have to work hard no matter what. I think Messi's not working hard. He's working hard every day to be the best. He's still being the best. And he's incredible. I just think he's unbelievable. I've just realised, obviously, we're paying tribute to Messi and Ronaldo. And then I've just realised that there's a... That we might have to revisit the subject when uh, we get to the agree to disagree section. But but it's obviously a, a, it'll always be about those two whilst they share uh, the the you know whilst they're still actively playing. But of course, that there's the likes of Luka Modric, Lewandowski. There's a chat. It might well be um, Kevin De Bruyne's final tournament as well. And it wouldn't you know as much as Messi and Ronaldo will always be the top dogs. Um, we have to pay tribute to the guys as well. So, you know, they've gave us some, some great memories as well, not just in the international stage, but at, at club level um, as well. But, uh, Ross, I'm going to com- come back to you for, for this one because obviously that that's obviously Qatar 2022 so far and there's still a hell of most of the tournaments still to be played. But the World Cup itself, you know, happens, you know, once every four years. It's one of these two, um, events that create memories and you know, things that will stay with you for your, your entire football and life as a as a fan. You know, when you see these opening credit scenes for the, every time there's a, a, a new tournament, you when you see some of the images and, and footage for years gone by, you can instantly remember where you were when the first time you seen it, if it was something that on maybe on a DVD or, or on, a, on a, a montage, or if you watched the game live um, yourself. Is there any, you know, for, for the World Cups that you remember, is there anything in particular that, like truly stands out, or is there anything you know that you know you've maybe seen multiple times that you just think that's just what the World Cup's all about for me? I mean, where where do you start with that? Eh? There's been so many standout moments, like in my lifetime, eh, watching football, and then obviously ones you've seen for before you were born. Obviously, the ones before you were born, the ones that stand out are like the, the Carlos Carlos Alberto goal. Uh, in 70 and then you've got the Maradona Maisie run against England 86 but in, in my lifetime uh, standout moments I mean I, I can just remember Italia 90 mm. bits bits and bobs uh, USA 94 was my first one that I can properly remember so many standout moments in that early in the tournament you had the, the Ray Houghton half volley over Pal Yuka unbelievable uh, and I'm sure Franny wouldn't thank me for saying this but when he was younger and Ray Houghton scored that goal 
Franny thought Ireland had won the World Cup. <laughs> but, uh, he thought that was that. He said he started. Is, is that Ireland won the World Cup? No he's, like, uh, uh, he's like, no, no. <laughs> but uh, and then you go a wee bit further into that tournament. One that always stood out for me was uh, it was Hadji for Romania uh, against Colombia in a group game, and it was like he takes a shot for like the touchline, the angle of the bot, in line with the angle of the box, lobs the keeper, but. No, like a looping lob, just arrows it, and it it goes right into the top corner. An absolutely phenomenal goal. There was for me in my life. That's the best tournament that I can remember. Uh, you had uh, Branco's thunderbolt, and I think it was the quarter final for Brazil against Holland. Uh, but then, obviously, you move on to other tournaments later. You had Bergkamp's goal in France '98 against Argentina. Absolutely sublime. Uh, kind of if it's Frank or Ronald De Boer plays the ball over the top. He absolutely kills it stone dead. And and the same movement brings it inside the Argentina player. He hasn't got a clue where he is. And then he just plays it with the outside his foot. I'll say that word again. No shalom. Right into the <laughs> no top shalom. corner. <laughs> it was an absolutely phenomenal goal. Unbelievable. And then Michael Owens as well, 18-year-old, against the same team. So many moments. And for me, one of one of my favourites, maybe wasn't the best goal, but I loved uh, Del Piero when I was growing up. I thought he was an incredible football player. And for to see him scoring the second goal for to win Italy the World Cup in 2006, which was... I don't know if it was his final game, but I think it was certainly near the end of his time. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's, by the way, he stuck it away with absolute plum, gave the keeper no chance, and just ended ended the game perfectly for Italy. And you see him wheeling away, and it was, it was just a perfect moment for me, growing up loving Del Piero, watching Channel Four Italian ninety, seeing him scoring yes. goals for Juventus against uh, against Rangers. Uh, free kicks for similar to the Hadji one that we spoke about plays one over the top of Andy Gorman to the far corner he was a phenomenal player so many moments probably missed more that guys in the comments will bring up Stephen will talk about it you'll do it but aye so many moments the World Cup for me is what football I mean we all love Celtic we do it's the be all and end all but for me what got me into football was probably the World Cup, and it, for me, it was USA '94. It'll always be that. That'll always be football, and the World Cup is what football's all about. And I absolutely love it. Here's here to that, my man, um, Stephen. Now I know your your views sometimes that you're, you're not, by your own admission, international football's biggest fan. Um, but to, I'll give you your credit. You're <coughs> involved in the chat tonight. Um, and of course, you're, you're, you're a spring chicken compared to the rest of us. Um, so my question was going to be for you. I was listening to Tony Cascarino on um, the game podcast um, last week, just before the tournament kicked off. Um, obviously, he had some great moments in his career with, with Ireland, more than he did at Celtic anyway. But um, his sort of outlook was that, you know, for all he achieved in the game, and he, he says that he was reading some article that footballers from the beginning of the career to the end of the career, international football, only makes up about seven or eight percent of their total playing time, and uh, you know moments on the park, goal scored, 
whatever measure you want to uh, unit you want to measure it against. But he says, however, people will always remember what you achieve more at a World Cup or or, or or maybe even a European Championship than what they would for ninety the other ninety percent of your club career for a lot hell of a lot of players. And so with that kind of with that kind of outlook, is there any moments that stand out for you? Even though, as you know, you're not as you're not international football. It's not your favourite thing. But is there anything that stands out for you that, that you love about the World Cup? Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm not a big advocate of international friendlies. <coughs> I don't like yeah. international friendlies during the season and breaking up the season. If it's a World Cup of Euros, I'll sit, I'll sit with a beer and watch it. Probably not invest it until probably gets to the semi-final, final when you want to see who wins it and stuff like. But Tony Cascarino's an absolute onion. I just, I just believe it. He'd, he'd come up again to us and just wasted himself and he wasn't great and my granddad tells me about him and he was just apparently terrible for selling. I don't have much memories myself of him. But you, you look at the international scene, the reason why players <coughs> get noticed, I mean, we call ourselves, it's, the, the players from us are putting themselves in the shop window for a reason. It's the biggest stage of them all, bar the club football, which is Champions League. All the European teams will be looking to see who's performing, bigger price tags, all that type of stuff. So that's, in theory, why you're going to get noticed more in these tournaments. If you perform on a stage like that with a high pressure, a, a big money club's going to buy you for a big fee. But in terms of like the memories and things, you could talk about, for me, that probably the, the one that stands out. I remember sitting in Ryan's house, who who done a rebound with us as well, and we were watching the, the Germany-Brazil game in 2014 and the, the dismantled Brazil 7-1. Just a, a totally oh, yeah. a shock, a shock performance. I think that Brazil team was like that, Coming off, there was aging, aging players. Players were quitting international football. There was different things going on behind the scenes. wasn't quite working out. And I remember his wee brother had a bet on or something for Brazil to win. He was totally deflated, like and just just, just watch it. Ah, they got smashed. Uh, I think Germany actually got the foot off the gas in the end. And you look at probably the most famous one, and you touched upon the two thousand six World Cup final, the Sedan headbutt. Aye. Um, just one of these moments that you'll never forget. And probably, I mean, for me, I was just watching it again in the house. I was a young boy, and so watching it, and they're like, "What did he just do? The hip on him in the chest?" And you remember the scenes after that? Fabio Cannavaro lifting the trophy. What a centre half he was, by the way, absolutely incredible. And then, as as Ross said, uh, Del Piero, just what a player. And you look at the, remember that team. You look at like the again, players like that. The, the reason I know these players is watching that we Channel Four show. With your man, and he, he just showed you football like Pal- Palmero, not like pi- the pink kit. You always remember that pink kit and then playing in the, the fourth tier of Italian football. Always at the end of the show, showing you wee highlights from these different games. It was incredible. It's where you learn. But I I mean, probably one of the stands out this is Sedan Headbutt for obvious reasons. And I know you're going to come to me about Ireland and the things. There's a few things, obviously, people know a certain legend done in terms of the camp and stuff like that. But I'm sure we'll come on that. But just to kind of go on to the, the comments here. Uh, Frank Kennedy, um, Cascarino is a wank. Um, <laughs> Jefferson King, John Straight Barnes was a, re- a real baller back in the day. Madness, I never got match caps from England. Kaiser, the best players in the world at that moment, laying it on the line for national pride. What's not to love? Um, Cascarino ridiculed our achievement of invincibles. And then apparently there's a penalty to Portugal. And then Phil McGinley said, I can't believe it was given, but that's VAR <coughs> again for you. But yeah. Loads of moments, loads of fantastic things you'll remember and all the, the types of players. And you, you touched upon Lewandowski, probably his last tournament. Do you know I mean? These guys and Pepe for Portugal. What, what did you call Pepe? What was it? Uh, a, a salt and Pepe? A, a, salt, a salt and Pepe. 
<laughs> I just these players you, you remember going up are slowly dwindled out of the game, and it's it's a bit sad. Like, but there's new players are coming. Pedri and Gabi will fill that void. You know what I mean, you've got the like Valverde oh, for yeah. Real Madrid. Shut up, Valverde for for Real Madrid. Shut up, yeah, all, all, you... the, all these t- different types of players. So yeah, there's a good generation up and coming. Whether they reach the heights of the previous one, we don't know, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, you're absolutely bang on. Obviously, when we're talking about players that it might be the last World Cup as well, we obviously have to throw in um, Aaron Moy as well. Just absolutely, you know, another maestro performance yesterday, Stephen. I'm sure you'd have been very surprised. <laughs> but you're, you're bang on. That's the thing about the World Cup. The Zidane moment. I always remember when he got red carded. There's the iconic image of him walking past because the World Cup was out on a plinth, um, mm-hmm. just put just in front of the dugouts, and you know. It's, uh, that was his that was his last game, and you know walking past the World Cup, the sort of fallen fallen idol sort of thing. It's a, a moment captured in time. But, uh, you're absolutely right, Ross. A lot of the the obvious ones would be Maradona, whether it be the hand of God or, in my opinion, the greatest individual goal ever scored against England two minutes later, or Carlos Alberto being the team goal and other ones. Um, but one of my and it's not one that I've seen live. Um, obviously, I wasn't even born at the time, but I'm sure. I think people might be able to... I think it was 82 um, when Italy um, won and it was Tardelli scores the, the winning goal. And it's a it's a very good finish, don't get me wrong, but it's it's remembered more for the, the celebration afterwards where he's just completely... Um, he's completely gone. He's, 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 the, 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 you wouldn't call it a red mist. It wasn't anger, but it was just sheer emotion and he's just screaming and screaming and screaming, goal! You know, that, that emotion of the fact that he's probably just won the World Cup for his country. And then he kind of disappears into the grass. You can't actually see him. Um, just all the players have, have kind of jumped on him by that point. But it's just, I think it's just a brilliant kind of image that, that kind of sums up what it means for a player to, to do it on the biggest stage. So that's kind of my kind of iconic moment that I'd ever seen live. But in terms of ones that I have, <laughs> I'd probably say yeah, Zidane. And I would also... <coughs> Um, remember as well it's a bit of a, a curveball but in 2010 when South Africa got the World Cup and yes, Shabala the, opened the scoring yes. uh, just uh, the, the way that the, Shabala oh aye Shabala oh my god <laughs> and the place just it would, you remember back because obviously South Africa you know littered with its own kind of checkered past and it was awarded the tournament but remember back in the day when we just let a tournament take place without aye. you know going on and on and on about all the um you know, their past yep. errors. Um, and, you know, everyone celebrated, you know, in unison in that moment in that stadium. Didn't matter what, whatever the background was. I just remember that being a, it was just summed up what the World Cup's all about for me. See that goal. See that goal. That's that shall I will go. I remember what is what I've been. About, about Six. 13. Oh, aye. But I was, I was in the <laughs> teens anyway. And I remember going out with my mates and we would sit at the pitch and there'd be a net. I mean, for 30 yards out, we would just shout, <laughs> smash the ball. That's where we get in the top bag like he did. Because that's that's one of the moments and it sounds cheesy, but it brings everyone together in that moment, as you said. You're yeah. celebrating it for South Africa getting that goal and the players going mad and the Kaiser, the Fufu Sealers. You'll never forget them oh, sounds and the fi- all the I different don't miss drums. Remember they tried to sell them in the Celtic Park Superstore for a while after that? <laughs> Literally, nobody does. It was still so the for uh, free for every incredible. Christmas purchase that year. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, that's all the, the other sort of nations aside, Ross. And of course, it wouldn't be a World Cup. Sadly, it's becoming tradition for us not to be there, uh, the old Tartan Army. 
well, you know, I was 10 years old the last time we, we participated in one uh, in France 98. But we, got, we were pretty close this year. Uh, I think we're pretty in a decent stead to qualify for Euro 24, which will be a brilliant tournament on its own, obviously, in Germany um, in a couple of years' time. But obviously, it would be fantastic to see them uh, strutting their stuff at World Cup 26. But what's your kind of own memories of, of France 98? I know it wasn't exactly yesterday, but you, you know, you'll be able to, you were getting just to that point where you were really starting to build your memories of football. And what's your own thoughts about? I know, as I say, I appreciate there's a tournament to qualify for before that, but are you positive that we could end our, our weight and appear at World Cup 26? Um, well, in terms of that, it's difficult to say because you, you don't know who you've, who you've drawn. I think in terms of Scotland, I think they're in a decent place or as, in as good a place as you could hope Scotland to be. Uh, I think I think Steve Clark's done a decent job. I don't know if there's anybody that Scottish could could do a better job. Uh, I don't know if yeah, he I agree would... With that. <laughs> I, I think he's done as good as what he could do with the group of players that he's got. Uh, and I'm fairly happy with the way the way Scotland are going, you look at the um, what's that? You look at the group. Uh, you look at the group for uh, the Euro twenty twenty four. I think I think it's a tough group for Scotland to get out of. Spain, Norway. I mean, Spain. Okay, you're going to get one of the big guns. I mean, they could win the World Cup this year, and that's just what Scotland. Scotland always seem to get the World Cup winner. Uh, Norway, I know they're not at the World Cup, and I know Holland doesn't make just one player doesn't make a team. But I think Norway will be a very difficult team to beat. Then you look at Georgia, and you're like, all the ones we could have got out of that pot. I have to say, Georgia's the the one that you didn't want to get. There, there's that mm-hmm. one that it's right on the bat. If we don't turn up. Over there, they'll do us. We need to turn up. This is what's killed us. Games against Georgia away from home have killed us in previous campaigns. We need to go over that. You expect to beat Cyprus. It's going to be very difficult. I really, really hope we can do it. And I hope we can do it by just at least finishing second in that group. If not, and we have to do it with the, the Nations League, then so be it. I really hope we can get to that other World Cup, it would be tremendous. I would love to go to it. It's a way over in America and Canada. Highly unlikely that, that would happen. Um, but it doesn't matter. You would just soak it in as we did in the Euros back home and just just enjoy it every moment of it. But uh, in terms of France 98, I was about 14 at the time. I always remember uh, Obviously, we played Brazil, uh, and it was it was a hotly anticipated game. I remember the build up. I was at obviously at high school, uh, and we were in like the PE hall. I think it was like the last the last period, and it was like the build up because it was the first game of the World Cup, so it was like the the opening ceremony and stuff like that. So 
in the PE hall, we just sat and watched it on the telly gets wheeled in. Again, it's not like that now, it's like a big projector, not that, but telly got wheeled in, there was folk fire and squeegees at it and that through the straw. Through the <laughs> <laughs> it's a present, uh, don't sound like a screw. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the way it was back my day, kid. But uh, I got wheeled in, watched like a good bit of the build-up and stuff like that. And I think we got away from school a bit early, the buses came and picked us up early. Got home, changed, and I went over to my, my mates and I watched the, the Scotland-Brazil game. That game itself, I think, we we done all right in the game, I think. Obviously, Brazil were the better team. They, they had the better players. But, I mean, you have to say that we were... The Tom Boyd one, so unlucky, man. There's nothing he can do about it. It just comes back, hits off him and goes in. Absolutely nothing he can do about it. We we got a penalty to equalise John Collins. It's absolutely never in doubt. He's he's scoring that all day long and he should have hit the penalty at Wembley in Euro 96. And we would have probably seen his drawing level there. But Gary McAllister, who, by the way, was a very good at dead balls. But I think John Collins scores that penalty at Wembley. I know I'm digressing for France 98 there, but he scores that penalty all day long for me. But uh, aye, it was, uh, it was similar to when we played them in Italia 90, where it was the odd goal that beat us, uh, and it was a scrappy goal that beat us. I don't know if you all remember the one in Italia 90. Correct, uh, sorry, breaks to correct. No, you'll know not. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It <laughs> sort of breaks and Kareka gets the foot on it as Leighton comes out and then I think it's what's the guy what did he say Muller he gets it it looks like it's going by the post and he sneaks it in it's a scrappy goal but again the better team won the game but it's difficult to take when you're playing against one of the best teams in the world and you got undone like that rather than with a moment of sheer class but uh, you move on to the, the Norway game I can't mind where I watched that game, but I can remember Craig Burley not having any teeth in and scoring. He sort of hits it like sort of scissor motion on the, the sort of half volley. And I can't mind if that I can't mind if that put us up 1-0. I think it was. We went up 1-0 and then Norway equalised. Uh, and we got our first point. You've got a chance getting into that last game and you're playing Morocco. My God. I mean, Morocco have obviously got a tremendous result the night, but nobody expected Scotland to lose to that Morocco team. But I have to say, they had guys like, sure it was uh, Mustafa Hadji and stuff like that in the team. These guys were just coming through. They'd sort of played at Coventry in the Premier League. or In fact, they maybe went to Coventry after that, off the back of that World Cup. But these were good players, but you, you underestimated them. And I mean... The less said about that game, the better. We absolutely got pummeled. Jim Leighton had a nightmare for one of the goals. But it was the last time we were there. And was Craig Gordon goals? Uh, I think he was just coming through. <laughs> 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 Ken Longevity because he's top quality. But anyway, <laughs> was, listen, it was Scotland, the Tartan Army took over uh, Paris. They'd done the march down the street the Celts know that on uh, and if we get back to a World Cup a World Cup will be a better place and uh, it'll have a it'll be a better place with Scotland in it it'll be a party atmosphere Scotland fans to me are similar to Celtic fans when they go on the road 
uh, in Europe and wherever. They're, they're similar and they just want to have a good time and be pals with everybody. And you've seen that in the Euros, even down at Wembley, and that, some of the banter, some of the videos, you've seen the guy down the slide uh, on his like bare belly in the rain. Absolutely brilliant. That's what it's all about. And Scotland are missed at big tournaments and I really <coughs> hope we can see them at a, at a World Cup in the not-so-distant future. Uh, here, here to that. Couldn't agree more, mate. And um, Stephen, now... There's a, there's a question for you. I know, as you say, international football is not your, your, your big thing, and we obviously know that you reside in the north of Ireland, but what is the sort of, maybe not even just for yourself, but, you know, the wider consensus, the, 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 the good guys of the north kind of root for the Republic <coughs> when they're at major tournaments, or is it is it really there's a much kind of support either which way? You need to educate us on this. Well, first of all, can I start by saying both North and South Irish teams, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, are absolutely dog shit. Let's get that <laughs> out there first, both of them. Um, in terms of the, the whole supporting, I mean, it's, it, you don't have to be a scientist to understand a Celtic supporter would kind of side with the Republic. <coughs> Ranger supporter would side with um, Northern Ireland. And, I mean, back in the day, when we ground it, was is it, is it as stories. strong as that? It's what it, it's what it was maybe even say 20, 30 years ago. Is it, is that... this is what this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting into. Like back in the day, it, it actually wasn't as bad in terms of like you could probably go to the Northern Ireland game and support the team and they wouldn't really care where, where you're kind of uh, coming from. But and that changed probably eighties, nineties, obviously for different reasons and the, the troubles with things like that. But it's still stem. It's it's it, it's kept going and kept going and kept going. Wouldn't say there's much hatred. There's been a few, uh, a few football friendlies and stuff like that, which went off no problem. But it's just kind of where it's ingrained the people, not ingrained, but they kind of you're brought up with that kind of thing. <coughs> Republic of Ireland. Or, I mean, the the, the North, and I'm not really too too fussed to be fair. The Republic of Ireland team never really had an affiliation with them. The same with Northern Ireland. I probably watched Scotland more than with the two nations over here, and that's being honest. But um. Yeah, it's, it's like everything over here, everything's dictated by where you come from, what area you live in, do I mean, what school you went to, what club you support, what clubs you play for in your own kind of semi-professional amateur football and career work, what side of the community they're on as well, do you know what I mean? So it's it's the issue which I would love to be sorted out. There's always calls for an All-Ireland team, but that wouldn't work to do it with a rugby team. Could you do it with a football team? You don't know. You never know unless Ireland obviously gets independence, which is a long, long, long way away. But yeah, honestly, in terms of it, and I always said that they don't really bother me one iota, both of them teams. I think they're both boring, to be honest. I think they're bog standard. I know I know that'll be fair to them. I know the Republic have a couple of good players coming through. In terms of the young players, there's, I think it's Obafemi, plays for Southampton, he's a striker. They've got a couple of uh, good players coming through like that that they look out for. The team's probably going to get better. And Alistair Jack comes in here, Kenny's a problem. I, I agree. I don't think he has great money in experience of Frank Kennedy. Yeah, he's probably changed when Nanny said for selling the toxic atmosphere. I kind of agree with that. But um it's it's that whole thing. It's the whole issue. Sure, you look at James McLean, you, you look at all that type of stuff and the, the kind of what he's subject to and I don't like it man. I, I don't like when religion comes into football. And yeah, don't get me wrong, I love banter between both sets of fans. I love all the banter. When it's game day, you give it your all not religious obviously, but you give all your support and you're passing then after that, you, your friends again. I think that's normal <coughs> everyday life, but to carry it on and make society blend into young kids and to bring up that, I don't like it. But 
I mean, if you go to the the tournament um, Republic were involved in 2002, the last time I think they were in the World Cup, and I think they, the whole Robbie King, the famous cartwheel celebration, I think he scored against was Germany. Germany yeah, celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the whole controversy with Roy King, his namesake mm-hmm. from walking out of the camp because of facilities and stuff like that. People still don't understand the argument. And to be fair, I don't either. He, he claims to be a leader and all that kind of stuff. Stay with your team, regardless if you're you're trading the car park. And I know he had issues with Mick McCarthy at the time and things like that, but he kind of threw the threw the, the wool over the, the camp and it kind of f- fell apart from there from the seams and wasn't nice to see. And ever since that, they've been absolutely terrible. So there's my summary of the Irish national thing. See that, that game you're talking about? Sorry, that, that, uh, no, so I was just going to say that, well, you said earlier, Anthony, you remember where you were when you're talking about goals. Steve's talking about that, Robbie Keane against Germany. I, I mean, straight away, I know where I was. I was in a woman's back kitchen, papering it, and I was leaning over the pace table watching it on our wee portable telly. Sorry, you're from Muslim. Take for that what you will. This story's going, this is going to be the story of the night there. And then, superb. Well, as I said, that's kind of rounding off all the topics for the night, boys, with the exception of we've got a couple of quick agree to disagrees uh, getting through, getting prestige. You're no wrong, Kaiser. Um, Somebody was two coats, please. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in that kitchen stays in that kitchen. Just a wee touch up, I was dead. Aye, you were, you big up the cross on. So, to round off proceedings tonight, boys, I say I'm going to do a wee quick couple of agree to disagrees. Anyone that doesn't know the format, it's absolutely nothing to do with the competition of the same. Format on Lad Bible with the same name. We absolutely haven't stole the idea at all. Um, basically, there's four options: slightly, uh, sorry, disagree, strongly disagree, or agree or strongly agree with a statement made. And um, if you have different views, then feel free to debate them. Um, so the first one, kind of on the topic that we were discussing earlier, guys. So the statement is: if either Messi. Or Ronaldo win the World Cup, it ends the debate over who is the greatest of all time, not just between the two, but overall. Who's, who's, the, who, who's, the, who's the two first? Um, Ross, you go first. Uh, so so if, if either of them win the, the World Cup, it ends the debate between them and overall. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I don't think it does because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think you can j- just because they've won a World Cup. I don't think you can then say he's better than Messi or vice versa. It's it's for me. You, you judge some someday over their career and the way they've played on the pitch, and it doesn't always come down to trophies. It like it's like the argument: Paul Scholes, Steven Gerrard. People will say, well, Steven Gerrard never won. A, a league title and again it's it's your personal preference for me I always I always said Gerard was better and always argued that it doesn't matter that he's not won a Premier League he won everything else but going away for Messi and Ronaldo for me you can't you can't you, you just say one is better than the other or better than anybody <laughs> the rest because they've won a World Cup it's an amazing feat but it's it's not the 
it's no what settles that debate for me. Very fair. Um, so would you say strongly disagree or disagree? I would strongly disagree, aye, sorry. Fair enough. And what about yourself, Stephen? I would uh, strongly disagree for, for probably the fact as well, you have to look at these competitions as one-off games. And they're one bad team, not an individual on that given day. So you don't know if a certain player like Messi or Ronaldo's come off the bench, for example. That's all hypothetical. <laughs> and who's going to drag them towards that game? And I mean, Messi, and that was the argument for years. I know um, he won the Euros in 2016, Ronaldo, with, with Portugal. Messi kind of achieves the same feat over in his home country with the, the Copa America. So they're kind of level and everything. And as, as Ross said, like he argues, Gerald, no, I'm not going to look into that argument. But I, I look at it based on ability. And it, it doesn't matter how good you are today, your team can let you down. And that's the reason why you lose a game. So it's a, it's a team game in, that, in this type of environment. It's a one-off game. Anything can happen. We've seen Saudi Arabia, for example, beat Argentina. That doesn't mean any of their players are better than the Argentinian players. Do you know what I mean? It does happen on that given day. And that was the way that the game fell. And yeah, no, I strongly disagree with that one. And Kaiser comes in, disagree. Ronaldo was better than them both, and he done it smiling. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can I just can I just say, obviously, kind of off the back of that, like you, you look at Ronaldo and Messi, and you look at Ronaldo, he's probably the greatest goal scorer of all time. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But similar, like sort of way to argue it is, well, Maradona. I was going to say that Maradona mm-hmm. won a World Cup on his own in '86. He essentially did. And I also look at it, i never seen Maradona's whole career, so it's difficult for me to say, but I try and look at it in the sense that Ronaldo scored more goals than him. Maradona was a bit mental. He probably didn't play the longevity of a Messi or a Ronaldo, but they're different guys. It's mm-hmm. a different upbringing now. They're, they're pure athletes. Maradona mm-hmm. obviously wasn't that, but I look at it and I say to myself, well, could Messi or Ronaldo have won the Scudetto? Way Napoli, I don't think they could have. I think Maradona single-handedly <coughs> took took them. A, I think they won two, and I think it's maybe their only two in their history. UEFA uh, Cup as well, if I remember correctly. UEFA Cup, aye. I don't think Messi Ronaldo could have won one Scudetto with that Napoli team. Uh, I don't think they, they. I don't think they would have done in '86 what Maradona done. And won that World Cup. You look at it; they've they've had opportunities where their team's not been. I, I, it's difficult for me to say because I can't mind the '86 World Cup. But would would you people have said that probably Ma, eh, Maradona, Argentina, weren't the best team on paper in '86, mm-hmm. but Maradona won them the World Cup just by doing Maradona things. Messi and Ronaldo have been in teams that you widely widely regard as not the best team. Mm-hmm. on paper and they couldn't take them but they're, they're different tournaments it's different arguments mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think the Messi Messi, Messi did go to a World Cup <coughs> final with Argentina and the reason why I think he, that, that game was lost he laid like, <coughs> two, two or three chances to Higuain fluffed him so it, it, it all depends obviously if you're laying on a striker to score them goals he misses what else can you effectively do in that situation uh, do you know what I mean yeah. For what it's worth, boys, I agree with you, so I, I disagree with the, the, the statement. Um, uh-huh. I think it's uh, there's so many different factors to take in. And like you say, although Maradona himself is, is loved so much for what he did at Mexico 86, it's stuff that he did at club level and 
other things out with it, why he's loved as well. It's not just because of what he did at a World Cup, as great as that achievement was. So, yeah, I don't. Th- I think the debate, regardless, will rage on for years, and that's all the better for us because it means we're more more uh, football content to talk about. Um, so I think we're all on the disagree slash strongly disagree uh, on segment on that. And just to round it off, boys, second one tonight. We should listen to Arsene Wenger, and the World Cup should be held every two years. Stephen, what are you thinking? Disagree. Because <coughs> the Euros are still a couple of times, so I would fit that in. Well, it would just, it would obviously not be in the, they would have to rejig it. So it'd be one two. of the big things with FIFA just now is that they want to have a World Cup narrowed it for 42 years. So yeah, that would, there would have to be some chat on how that would happen. But yeah, I without mean, the other tournaments being affected, but essentially having a World Cup every other summer. I mean, FIFA are trying to organise 60-minute matches as well, which is an absolutely shambolic thing to even be talking about. But, I mean, I disagree for the simple fact that you can dilute these competitions. As Ross said, as you said, you you love looking forward to this and you love sitting watching it every four years, perfect. And I mean, the Champions League can't be diluted because it's in the club season. But if you're playing a World Cup every two years, then you look at the Nations League, that dilutes international football. You look at the Euros, then that becomes a, a hindrance to the World Cup. You look at all these different quali- qualification campaigns, they're going to be crammed more into the, the leagues and there'll be more international breaks, probably more summer football taken into account as well. So I, I disagree for that. It, you're going to dilute a competition purely because other nations want to pay money to host it. Wait their turn, wait in line. If you're passing the burn envelope, the, it'll come in time. So, I mean, if you give enough money, you're, you're going to get it regardless. You're, you're going to outbid someone or you're going to give someone a phone call at FIFA. It'd be quite easy to sort out, I'd imagine, but I disagree. Tell you, he's been full of passion these last few episodes. He's been on air. It's great when the captain's <laughs> been for us. Uh, what about yourself? Do you, do, do you agree with Arsene Wenger every two uh, years? No, I, I strongly disagree with that. I, like Stephen said, it, it dilutes it. It takes away the romance, eh, the mm. World Cup, eh, which, by the way, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, I still love the World Cup, but that romance is not quite there. For, it probably is because I'm getting older, but it's not quite that romance that you had in 94, 98, 90. Even to, I think the the last World Cup where it was like that 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 romance that I'm talking about was 2002 when it was <coughs> Ronaldo won the World Cup against the odds after his knee injury came back in. And won the World Cup with Brazil. That 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 was phenomenal. That and it's it sticks in the memory. And then you, you could probably say two thousand and six at a push, mm. but then once it gets to two thousand and ten, fourteen, I think it starts to, for me, dilute slightly. But you start doing it every two years, and it's four years are a long time to wait for a World Cup. And when it comes around, you're ready for it. And you've got that Euros in between to sort of break it up, if you like. Mm-hmm. But it's not the World Cup. It's still good, but it's not the World Cup. Not for every two years. Like Stephen says, it's just to, to try and fit all these countries in that want to get it, want to host it. But you'll, you'll get your turn. You just need to bide your time. And I don't like change, so no. <laughs> Every four years is fine. 
<laughs> Can I just say something? Um, Kaiser's asking, when is Alistair doing the fan takeover, lads? Well, basically, the reason why it's not going to be this month is because there's no Saturday content. We want to bring Alistair on to speak about the current going on at Saturday Football Club. So we'll probably be looking to do the next fan takeover, looking end of December, maybe start of January. Just so there's Celtic stuff to talk about. This is us, us filling these gaps with rewinds and spin-offs and things like that. But don't worry, anyone who wants to get involved with it again, give us a, a, a DM on Twitter. Reach out. We'll be happy to have you all on. It'd be great crack to get involved with. But the next one, end of December, early January. Absolutely. We're looking forward to having Alistair on. It's going to be a, a good. It's great when the, the fans come on and uh, get to hear their views on the all things football as well, especially Celtic. But um for what it's worth, boys, I'm agree strongly agreeing with you two and strongly disagreeing with the with the question. I'm I'm with you guys. It's every four years. It's <coughs> big games. It's that, it's that gravitas. It's the it's a big it's a showcase a showpiece event, and um, you know it's just one of those things that, like you say, it comes round in. Like you say, Ross, it maybe has lost its magic over the years. So it's, you know, as you get a bit kind of more wise as to how these things are organised and obviously all the, the stuff that's went on um, and the organising, you know, the you know the, the building of the stadiums and things like that and all the stuff that you know goes on in shady background deals and whatnot. But on the night, you know, when, when, it, when it all comes together and the, the, the tournament kicks off and then it gets underway, you know, you still, it still does have that wee bit of magic, even though it's maybe not quite as much as what it used to have. But I'm with you guys. It should be every four years. You've got that nice little palate cleanser every two years with the Euros but um, yeah it should be four years and, and that's yeah. it. And it and it makes it more special when you get all these all the top players for every nation coming together mm-hmm. it yeah. happens every four years and that's why all the great players want to do do their best at it because they know that there's very few times that they're ever going to be able to do it in their careers but that brings uh, tonight's show to an end boys going back over this year's tournament so far and, and tournaments for years gone by have you enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah it's been really good. good. Really enjoyed it. Yep. It's been fun. <laughs> Take my mind off my cold. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a definitely he's on great form tonight, topics wise and uh, opinion wise. But he's have definitely sounded better in terms of he's a coughing away. He's <laughs> needing a couple of nights under the sheets, lamps up, just a wee hot holiday, as they say. Aye. A couple but, of uh, pasting tables. The endless, the endless, the endless flame tonight. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we're going to be Stephen. I'll go back to yourself. What's uh, happening on the Friday night show at eight o'clock? So Friday night is going to be another spin-off with Willie hosting, um, and Steve Brendan, kind of breaking down their tactics, kind of going by different squads. We're going to come come to an agreement with a combined eleven, much like our, our Noops eleven caused a lot of debate on Twitter. So again, we're hoping to do that. Generate with the comments. If you have your opinions, please get involved and we'll talk amongst ourselves and see so you can send the lineups so and then we'll agree who's a better manager. I think it's obviously right now you know who my choice is. But I mean another one to look forward to. Another bit of crack. I think we'll be all having a couple of beers. Beer fifty two again, guys, get on to it. But yeah, be good crack and be another one to look forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to listening in and then um, next Monday we'll be doing another Champions League rewind. We're just going to try and get a few of these done whilst the, the international football still comes on. But thanks again to everyone for uh, getting involved in the show tonight, for watching and for um, putting your comments up on the live chat. And as I say, Stephen's tried to get as many up as he can. And we also have next Friday, so not this Friday, come the week after, we're going to be doing a big World Cup quiz um, with a few years on Friday night. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, 
out you say get her a few beers, a few international I'll beers, no doubt. And uh, <laughs> I, that's it. We'll just uh, we we'll just love watching Ross slowly divulge into steaming this uh, as the night proceeds. I can't wait. Uh, so that should be good. So plenty of episodes and content for you to look forward to um, in the coming uh, weeks ahead. <laughs> but that's for us for tonight, guys. Thanks again, and I'll leave it to Stephen to give the outro. And until Friday, till Answer, Brandon, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.